there for season two, episode one. We've a new team tune, uh, which we must thank our, our boy Derek for, um, the man who knows all about music. And I have to say, I really like it. Um, and Daniel McDonald is here as ever with me, Johnny Ward. We are LOI Weekly in association with Air Sport and Independent.ie. Uh, as ever, we're Podcast Republic, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, bit of Snapchat, and we're at LOI Weekly on Twitter. And I think, Dan McDonald, we're back in the studio we were in for the first one last year. That won't mean anything to anyone else, but there's a bit of nostalgia. Uh, is this where we were for the first show? I don't remember. Yeah, because we're in the air studio. Is it episode 40 even? I don't even know. The boy Owen who's uh, we you did know, a Christmas special us. of some kind as well. I don't even know if that all counts into it. It doesn't matter. More to the point. It's version 2.0. This is it. This is and this is a new year. We're here for an exciting season as well, I think. Yeah, we, we hope so. 10-team Premier Division, um, playing each other four times and all that. Uh, it's going to be interesting for uh, most of the games. Some of them might get a bit samey, but... Later on, we're going to hear from Steve McGuinness, Raf Kataro, and Shane Keegan, who, like Dan, were at the, the LOI launch um, this week. But our guest is Ger O'Brien. Um, we couldn't find anyone better. So, Ger, <laughs> here you are again, like third time in like 12 shows or something, yeah. just because you live down the road. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I know, we were also a big fan of you last year. So how are you keeping? Yeah, all good, all good. Actually, we're all we were all at the Dundalk Cork Presence Cup final. We're all at the Pats game on Friday as well. It turns out. Um, but let's, I suppose, briefly. How was the winter for you? Long, mm. um, but busy. To be fair, you know, we kind of went to the last day of the season, as we all know, with the with the relegation battle, and straight away then you're into work because your budget is so uncertain in case you, you get relegated and stuff like that. So I think with Liam, he he obviously spoke to the board straight away and. We were, we're straight on to try and get players in and underage stuff needs to be done as well in the club and we've had a busy off-season off the pitch as well in relation to you know sponsorship and marketing and stuff like that. So it's it's been interesting. It's sort of funny, there's no rest once it starts though. I was only looking at the, the, the fixture list there yesterday. I think the mid-season break... There's 23 out of the 36 league games, I think, are, are pencil in for before. I think maybe there's, there's one round being brought forward, I think, from the summer for European teams. So once you start... You're into it. I think like a quarter of the season is over by the end of March. You know, with these midweek rounds, it's 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 sort of relentless. You have this long break and then you're straight into it, aren't you? Yeah, it's a bit crazy. I think Liam has already mentioned that um, somewhere I've seen already. But we've been aware of it since the fixtures came out. We've we've made it known to the players just how important the months of March and April are going to be. I think we've seven games and then we've lucky enough that we've got a boy in the first round of the League Cup as well. But it's um it's going to take its toll, as you said nothing can prepare you we've all had short pre-seasons as well six weeks because we all kind of probably came back the first week of of january and then you're straight into it a week earlier than than normal um so it's it's going to be an interesting first couple of months mm. how are we feeling about the league generally then how are you i mean there is always excitement in this week there's always a buzz nothing's gone wrong yet for anybody you know there is that sort of first week uh anticipation in the air at the aviva i mean how are you feeling we're going into a 10 team league uh with john caulfield speaking this week about you know wanting a bit more coverage and, and so on and it's, it's a sort of a perennial debate I mean, what's your view on where we're, where we're at heading into 2018 it's probably the first time in a long time that I've felt a huge sense of optimism around the place from all the teams like Derry moving back into the Brandywell. There seems to be good stories everywhere at the moment and, you know, obviously there just seems to be a bounce around the country in general in the economic uh, sense of things and I'm hoping that can filter into the league and I'm hoping that we don't make the same mistakes as last time that if money does start dripping in that we don't keep pumping it into squads that we can start looking at infrastructure and stuff like that. 
obviously the announcement was made yesterday with some extra funding coming in for the underage stuff, which obviously will touch on what I'm doing with Pats. But no, I do get a, there's a big sense of big sense of optimism around, and you know there's more sponsorships getting done, even from our own sake, and you know there's more you know community development officers being put in place and stuff like that. I just I, I really hope then that the people involved then can kind of keep that and don't don't kind of loosen the grip on it because at the moment you know they're all kind of slowly working in the same direction just against that Dan you know we've 12 teams down to 10 and notionally that was supposed to make it really competitive but Bray and Limerick where are they at for the new year yeah I think we'll find out pretty quickly I think that sort of relentless schedule we mentioned we'll probably find it out pretty quickly I don't think Bray have maybe blown people away in pre-season although they've they've managed to retain maybe more players than I thought they would and it does seem like they've they've got a few quid the last couple of weeks together and um you know, we'll we'll just see. I think, I think maybe people from Bray just get a bit miffed. You know, when when being down in them a small bit, and I would have sort of written a piece this week, sort of expressing the view that the ten team is all almost right. Maybe apart from Bray, but they've got it all to prove. You know, they've got to prove that they deserve to be there. I don't think they have the credit in the bank yet to 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 suddenly be chilled about the fact that that Bray are part of this new era. Um, they the need, only thing we should say is a trouble free year. They they did pay wages last year. No, they no, paid they, wages. They did, but I mean, but I, I mean, come on. I feel like Roy Keane, like the postman for delivering letters or something. You know, well, well done they paid their wages mm. so there you go look at us we deserve to be here you know they did announce you know release a series of statements that were a disaster but they've got a year to prove that they deserve to be there now the thing is they could they could end up being relegated the way things the way things pan out limerick limerick possibly was more worrying for a period in the off season in terms of just some of the chatter that was doing the rounds and and certainly you know clubs that were in the first division um were being sounded out potentially about about heading up you know just in case just in case mm. um things went wrong and i mean pat sullivan has said before that he, he's getting out and and he he hasn't gone and i think people in limerick still have to be very grateful for what he's brought to them there um he wants a bit of help but he wants a bit of help and i i don't know like there seemed to be a a response a couple of years back when they were actually in that relegation fight and people come out and they they charged up the table and maybe it's i i often think sometimes that the league of ireland clubs can be very vulnerable when they're in a sort of a mid table limbo you know and that that's the challenge that can be difficult for budgets and finances that you know we did have this competitive season last year because everyone was afraid of being relegated but it's sometimes you you need a crisis to shake you know to sort of shake people into and life just, suppose, pat's had a bit of that maybe last yeah. year as well and you want to bring that into a a, a new year and that's just maybe the bad vibes in limerick and if things go bad it might remind people actually do you want a Premier division club in your city well, and, and they might need that that sort of reminder I, but I don't know it, it, with Pats I think the challenge I'm interested in this this year that there was that rallying cry in the last sort of 10 weeks of the season or whatever it was and the players that were brought in and there was a purpose and there was that relief in Buncrana the last day I was up there but again is the challenge to try and bring that energy into the new season when you know is it maybe a different challenge at the start of it in terms of what you're trying to do week to week yeah absolutely and I think from from the halfway point when we we were able to bring in those players it made a big difference to the group you know you're bringing in fantastic experience guys who've been played in England Killian who's come in and, and won leagues and knows what it's like to be around the place in in Inchicore and Jordy Balk done a fantastic job as well we needed to shore up that defence we couldn't really get centre back and Jordy was immense when he came in but you're right Irish people just do misery really well <laughs> and you're right 
that mid-table thing, we, we, we unfortunately got a sense of that when in 2016 maybe when we were kind of not going to reach Europe we're not going to get relegated and I noticed the whole place was just a bit, little bit of misery around the place And but you're right the Cork game uh, coming towards the end of the season there's a couple of other games in Richmond Park we were bringing big crowds for us and stuff like that and there was a sense of we were, were on a good run you know we needed to get out there was a whole co- kind of course of optimism when the new guys came in and yeah we we need to take that bounce into the season you know, the word momentum is used throughout football, like, you know what I mean, at all sorts of levels. So we'll be no different. It's important. We got a, a terrible start last year and we just never recovered. You know, you look at Cork, they, I think they went 21 from 22, they won. Mm. So that was probably what got them over the line in the end. And we, we hope to be no different this year. We we need to start well and no better no better place than home to the champions. And, and just before we get uh, some audio from the from the uh, launch which Dan was at we were all at the game on Sunday the President's Cup final which was a game of two halves game of four seasons really snow sunshine everything going on but um, Dan I, I thought it was a really intriguing game you know Dundalk were absolutely beset with, with injuries players out players sick and they were 2 up at half time and it just appeared to all intents and purposes it was game over but what did you make of it? Yeah I mean it, it, certainly I think there's two ways of looking at it. I think in terms of, you know, Cork's strength relative to Dundalk, I don't know if you can learn much from the second half because Dundalk were pretty diminished um, in terms of the team that was on the pitch. But take that out of it. Just Cork's strength relative to themselves, you know, and and the health they were in, I I think they were very good. I think what you see with Cork, it's it's a small bit like Dundalk a couple of seasons ago. Although they did bring in quite a few players still this winter, but... They're sort of tweaking a formula that was working and maybe just improving it slightly. You know, they probably had in the second half on Sunday, you would say their strongest team on the pitch, apart from you'd say McNulty will play, you'd think ahead of Cherry. And then they have this debate now, I think, between McNamee and Gary Buckley. Big debate. And, and you've Morrissey and you would think Morrissey and McCormick are very important to them. Will there be games though that they're vulnerable if they wanted to play a Buckley and McNamee or mm. but it's a bit like the couple of years back when the dog I think brought in Benson and McElhenney and it was sort of just you know, just ticking, th- keeping things ticking over. Now they did still bring in a lot of other players like Josh O'Hanlon and you know Horgan added by a rolling. They still look stronger with Beatty and, and Shepard when when they came on. So I think as a statement intent of intent from Cork, I thought it was it was very impressive. I, I suppose I, I think I think in terms of the dog, um, I don't know the team they had in the second half. Um, it was still strong. It was well. I mean, I don't know. They had three sort of attacking players in centre midfield and Cork. In fact, you see, you spot weaknesses, you exploit, you exploit it, and they exploited it completely. But I can't imagine Dundalk having that team on the pitch in any league game this season. The setup they had in the and second they, they half, had I couldn't believe that would happen. Shield centre back, Shield centre back, injured in midfield. They, 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 I mean, with with Sean Hoare injured, I mean, they've signed Dan Cleary now. Mm. You know, they they couldn't be one injury away from moving a midfielder back into defensive situation. So I would write it off a bit. For from the Nandalk perspective, but the, the Cork point of view was it was a striking Just performance. Two things on it, Ger. I thought um, this is a seven-game run now when the dog haven't beaten Cork, regardless of what you know kudos you give to that game. But Jamie McGrath looked like he was really kind of grown into himself. I thought he had a great game, and you would have known him at Pats. What were your What were your thoughts on it? Like it's been touched on already. I really did think it was a game of two halves. I know it's it's always used as a cliche, but it was. I just felt. At half time, I, I seen Shepard and Beat being called back in, so you could nearly pick the changes. I'm not sure if it might be in maybe Horgan's first game or first start pre season. I'm not too sure. Mm. He he just looked a little bit off the pace, but I think Dan's right. John John will use his tried and tested. He he knows what he has. I think Cummins coming in 
gives him that ability to to hold up the ball really well. Um, Is he going to be good enough? I don't know. It's it, time will tell. Mm, it's hard to T- time will tell. Listen, I don't think anyone is going to replace what Sean was able to. Mm. Shawnee McGuire was able to do in the space of eighteen months down there, two years. But you know what? What do you have? Is do you have a proper focal point? Um, Joshua Hanlon wasn't on the bench. I don't know if that was an injury or a tactical decision or whatever. But he'll give them something different as well. He's he he he's strong. He's aggressive. He's quick. But the big thing is, it's going to be that McNamee Buckley. It, it really depends how John is going to keep them all happy and, and stuff like that. But that's but going to be it's, it, it's a strong squad though. Like that's he, need, be he needed to challenge. improve it. Yeah, like, he, and like, sadlier and sadlier, sadlier we, have, we haven't mentioned sadlier. I think he was so good. All the chat is you know he's been working hard in the off season and I mean uh, he was very much betting in the first six months last year. It was actually the game where where you effectively stayed up or the the win mm. and you know we gave us a glimpse of what he could do that yeah. day and we've seen glimpses and even speaking to players afterwards even like Alan Bennett on Sunday they're always reminding him that he he needs to round his game he needs just almost to work that bit harder going back mm. and, and it, that message is there it's not, you don't have to read too far between the lines to find it but he is one who could really take off in the, in the I, next I think months. himself McNamee and Shepard looking at second half could really create havoc obviously McNulty wasn't playing because he was very close to Lee Miller and um, we should just mention you know Lee Miller played in the League of Ireland um, not that long ago and what a tragic loss that was and I guess um, you could probably feel a sense of that, Dan, at the launch as well, that there were so many people who would have known him in the game and it was just, uh, you know, it was, you just have to move on, um, but it's sad. Ah, yeah, it's, it's, it's appalling, you know, and it's probably, I still felt that the game on Sunday was enjoyable, but does it, I don't know, it felt a bit hollow to be getting mad about the rivalry and all this because McNulty is so big to that rivalry, he wasn't there because of, you know, his, his really, really close friend and, um, I think you know the minutes applause and all that stuff. The silence was handled very well, and I think people did see the bigger picture really um, on the day. Yeah, there's not much more you can add to that other than just you know what a sort of tragedy it is. And uh, I suppose you know a certain amount of people knew him within the league. I'm not sure if maybe a huge amount of people did. You know, he was someone from he was you know a shy enough fella. But you speak to the lads who really knew him, they would say he was a you know fantastic character, but never sort of. Uh, he didn't arrive back into the league with a swagger as if to say, well, look what I've done. I've played for them. I've played for this. You know, he's not coming back. To, he wasn't coming back to live off any former glories. You know, he was a, a pretty down to earth fellow by all accounts. And all we can do is uh, pass on our condolences. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's it doesn't bear really thinking about the whole thing. It's, it's awful. How was the launch otherwise? A launch is a launch. Mm. A lot of people there, you know, a lot of people. You spoke to just Stephen McGuinness. I did speak to Stephen McGuinness. So yeah, just um, I suppose we we're you know we were at the start of a season, and um, you know Stephen McGuinness from behalf of the the PFAI, they've been going around meeting players and members and stuff over the last month or so. So yeah, I, had, I did speak to Stephen. I just started off by asking him um, from their uh, meetings around the country, what have they found, and what's the mood on the ground ahead of twenty eighteen. I suppose the, the first thing to say before even the club visits um, took place. You have to say, I've been in the job 10 years. It's the first year where there's no money owed to any players before the season kicked off. So I think that's a key starting point that there's a positivity around the league that was said today. And on a, from a financial point of view, um, it was really good. So before we even start going around to the clubs, the starting point is that there was nobody owed any money. That stability has been built in. You can see players signing longer contracts, number of lads on two-year, three-year deals. Um, and depending on the club that you go to, so for example, if you go to a force division club, the issue is that they don't get paid in pre-season and they would like to see that getting addressed. If you go to a primary division, 
Yeah. Uh, some of the clubs, it's we want to be paid 52 weeks and we want slightly longer contracts. So, in general, things are better. There's no question around that. And uh, and the stability is there now. It's now for us to ensure that the working environment the players work in is better. So, we, we're going to look to get a collective bargaining agreement, get negotiations with the FUI over the next coming weeks and months to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement and see the working conditions for players to, to get better um, for the start of next season. So was every club, uh, was every player, sorry, at the Premier Division club this year paid and in pre-season? Both. All oh, in, sorry, in, in, sorry. in pre-season. pre-season sorry. I think you yes. spoke at one point about the, the teams that went down last year were the clubs who didn't play, uh, pay their players in pre-season. Yeah. This year now in pre-season, how many clubs were every, every Premier Division team was paid in pre-season, which is, which is when you're trying to build a professional league and you're trying to have structures of 14s, 15s, 17s, 19s and building people into into coming into a professional league, I think it's a bare minimum you have to be paying players in pre-season. And I think that has to, if we're being realistic, it has to roll into the first division for next season. That's something that we'd be pushing for. But it was great to say, I know it's not a nice the, the statistic I used. It, it, was not, well, it wasn't derogatory to, to the three teams that got relegated, but that's a fact and they didn't and they were relegated. Now we have 10 teams that are paying in pre-season. There's a lot of them teams now paying full-time contracts, playing 52 weeks, which is, which is great to see. Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk, Cork, which pushes the bar, pushes the bar up again and on the side of that. There's no, no doubts that they'll be challenging for the league. And it, it's normally based around finances and it's great to see that. And I think it is gearing towards, hopefully, in two, three, four years' time that we will have a 10-team full-time league, which is what we all like to see. Midway through last season, the Bray Wanderers thing hit and it was something that, that kept you quite busy I guess mm. for a period of time like, how confident are you of, of what you're hearing from, from your members at Bray and, and, and how things are going to be there this year yeah I, I suppose it, last year when I went out to meet the Bray players I suppose I stood in front of them and, and said to them I couldn't see how they would get to the end season without something happening because you could see the length of contracts the players were signing you could see the, the value of the contracts and it just didn't match up to me based on gates and whatever. was this going to be sustainable to the end of the year Um it's you look at the squad now. It's been trimmed down. Um, I believe um, that club licence and I've looked for guarantees around the around the, the financial commitment to the club from the people who are investing in it. So that should give us the stability that we ultimately got last year when the money was bonded to, uh, through the FAI. So um, we're confident that that is in place now for this year. Again, that's up to licensing to guarantee that. But the the sound bites that we've heard is that that's in place. So. Based on that, you would be confident that Bray could out to the end of the year. Do you, do you have trust in the licensing process? Um, I would have trust in the licensing process on, just on a number of levels. Number one, I trust it that has never left any of our members unpaid um, when the licence was offered the follow, following season. I think we saw gaps last year, and the Bray Wanderers showed a, showed a huge gap where um, they were allowed to sign players based on, on, on an individual investor putting his money in and then ultimately threatening to pull it out and the whole thing was going to collapse. I think the licensing have said and they've publicly said this that they will be far stronger this year and we look for, for greater guarantees so if that is the case and we believe it is well then we should be have a peace of mind that that's in place on the clubs where individual investors um, have put their money in Where are wage levels at in the league now? Sort of, I think you've done you've been involved in surveys and so mm. on um, before so where are we now relative to 10 years ago? So? Yeah well we're, we're not at the three and a half grand a week and four grand a week uh, where we were with, with Cork and Pats uh, uh, six or seven years ago I think we're at a level that is sustainable I, I would our highest paid player you're probably looking at between a thousand and twelve hundred quid at the top end of it with 52, bonuses, 52 weeks 52 weeks yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is a decent contract um, for a player here and that's what you have to if you're going to like some of our clubs have brought in players from abroad um, we've been able to attract back players that in the past we wouldn't have been able to attract, uh, attract back whether that's from the Scottish Premier Division or from the lower leagues in England so it, that's a positive um, the length of the country still like to see them slightly longer um, still lots of one year deals out there it, it is getting better but still lots of one year deals so financially 
energy, it's better to spot a taxi leave. It's key to keeping our players here. It really is. Yeah. We've set up an athletes alliance with ourselves and the rugby and the jockeys to ensure that that, that type of um, incentive is still there and, and they're looking to tweak it a little bit so that's something for us to work on. But I think any incentive to keep a professional player here for longer is better, obviously. Um, and I, I do think financially the, the players are in a better position than where they were three, four years ago. Are we back to where we were I don't think we'll ever hopefully ever get back to three and four grand a week. It just was unrealistic based on TV monies and gate receipts and all that. So, so I think the players are satisfied. It still doesn't leave you in a position where you can just play professional football. I think you've always got to be tilling yourself up for when it finishes. And at the back end of the careers, like one of the big drives when we went around the clubs about education, we've got to drill into our players. The figures are just not the miles off where it needs to be. Like, yeah. I mean, you look at one in five of our players as a junior, sir, that's his only qualification. And he's earning potentially three or 400 quid a week. It's just, it, it's not conceivable that's going to be able to sustain you long term. And you look at the GEA, the GPA and the, the rugby we've got 95% of our members with toward level education our toward level education is at 36% which is skewed by UCD because there's so many of the guys at toward level it, it needs to be better and it's something that we're working heavily on with the players and, and we drill it into them this year we've career coaches involved we've Alexandra Mason we've recruitment agencies to ensure that players are geared up for when it comes to one thing you're guaranteed playing professional football you're going to retire and our league is the youngest now in Europe um, average age between 23 and 24 so guys getting over 30 and playing is quite rare so we just have to make sure that lads are geared for what's coming next yeah so finally do you, you do think that lessons maybe have been learned from that period because well, so, some of those guys are becoming managers now but at the same time from your perspective mm. I mean your members want more money they're always going to go and look for more contracts so it's not necessarily up to an individual player mm. to tell a club to preach restraint they're going to take what's, what's, what's given to them yeah, so, but yeah. do you feel there is an awareness from managers yeah. as well yeah I, I think there's general yeah. awareness Dan, between everybody but I, I, don't, I don't think this is just a union I think the players the managers the clubs realise what's gone before like Bohemians is a club that I'm quite close to now because my son is playing on the 14 there and I'm at every home game I speak to the, to the president of the club the secretary of the club on a regular basis and they will never ever get themselves in that situation they saw what it done to the club they saw how it tore the life out of it and they will never allow themselves even last year when maybe Keith had been pushing to try and invest a little bit more I think the club were so scared by what went on before and I think a lot of the teams if you look around the league it was only UCD who didn't get hit with huge financial problems and I think there's been lessons learned from everybody and um, there, there were tough lessons to learn at the time but I think there's a realism around the league that there's a certain level that you can go to and I, I suppose like everything because the league is getting so young the guys coming in now can live on the wage that's been offered yeah. it's when they get to that 26-27 and if you look at Dave McMillan for example of, of somebody who's playing the league the offer comes then from abroad and then he goes now there's an argument at the moment to say should Dundalk have matched that wage and kept them here um, I don't know is the answer to that you would like to see our best players stay here and, and Michael Henney the same but you can't stop that and you'd hate to see a club gamble on its very future but you have to that unrealistic and that's not something that we like to look at club to do Okay Stephen thank you very much yes. On that there are a few interesting points I think he said the first time in 10 years was no money owed at the start of the season um, he's talking about the, the two or three year deals 52 week contracts for three of the teams in the league and the average age as well being 23-24 making it the youngest league in, in Europe he said what were your thoughts on the interview? Yeah, I think when you, when you're in it, when, when you're in the bubble of the League of Ireland, you kind of know what's going on with most clubs and stuff like that. Um, and it, it was fair to say, I think I've had dealings with the PFEI before. Um, when I've been in the situation of non-payment and, and contracts, I I had it in in Sport and Fingal. I've had it in in Derry City as well. They do really good work. 
and it, what they do now is they go around to all the, all the clubs pre-season and they, they've been in the pats and stuff like that and you know the boys can come to them with, with issues and problems and questions and stuff like that that they can go off and, and find out but it, it's positive I suppose and it just brings us back to the earlier points of th- there being kind of a lot of positivity around the place and I'm hoping that what I'd love to see is it being a norm of 52 week contracts I don't think we should be celebrating when Cork announced they're going to go 52 weeks I don't think there should be a need to announce that as a press conference these guys are in work um, they should be paid for 52 weeks um, but the problem is we need the, we need the clubs to turn in and, and see that as the norm that okay we're we're gonna we're gonna keep them contracted for two years or three year contracts. It's important, and y- you look at Dundalk and, and the situation that they found themselves in. All right, they had the boys for longer than one year, but Dan might correct me on this. I think Richie and Andy and and Daryl didn't go for a penny between them. No, um, they were probably with, with, with respect assets. to the clubs. Though it's 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 hard to maintain a full time setup with minimal enough prize money, minimal enough. Ah, know, well, there's, there's European money there for those top. Ah, clubs. yeah, but like, say, if you're talking about fifty two weeks, should be like the you know basically the accepted thing for the likes of say. Uh, Sligo Rover oh, no, like oh, it's not easy oh, no, no it's not it's I, I think it should be for the Premier Division right. yeah, I, that's I, what I he talked about there yeah. he said in about what he's saying a few a years a couple of years you want the, the Premier League you know the Premier Division to be 10 team full time now ironically enough he then speaks about you know Bowes there who you would imagine would be part of it but one club that's probably resisting going that way at the moment and and I think you, we all understand probably the reasons for it mm. um, and, and maybe their philosophy would change once they got into a daily mount you know a revised daily mount and maybe they would they'd be in a bit different position but I, I would like to think that would be attainable um, but I'm not 100% convinced that that would be the case and what we see now is clubs working and I actually you know, mentioned to a couple of people later I think with Shane Keegan later that there's a version of full time now where players are training full time as such but they're still doing other stuff outside of further education or whatever yeah. it might be and I don't really have a problem sometimes we obsess about the specific terms um, that we use um, but, but maybe with wage levels if they're going to remain sustainable lads might always have to have something else well like going. that's something that's very rarely touched on when you spoke about the level of education of these players like where do you go when you you retire quite young you obviously went down the coaching route but what do you make of that like you know and what's the structure for players to get some sort of an education that gives them a subsequent to football life that they can actually look forward to I'm shocked on the the one in five on the junior cert being honest with you one thing we put a big emphasis on at St. Pat's is, is the education and right from when we meet the parents at for under 15s and it'll be the same under 13s now coming up we speak to them on the model of what we're trying to do playing football at a high underage level in this country going hand in hand with an education through secondary school and if they attain the the proper leaving cert of of reaching a certain amount of points they can go to Minute University I'm hoping that we can tie in a couple of other institutions as well that they can go and it puts a big emphasis on those kids you look at Conor O'Malley would be a prime example that we can use comes up from from Mayo played some football for Merview was that right? Yeah. Um, signed for Rovers B. Then we signed him. Got into Air Force team. Must have had maybe seventy to hundred games under his under his belt, and came out with a degree as an actuary. You know, a really good degree. And That's then pretty get, impressive. Yeah, and then gets his move to to Peterborough. So if that falls apart next year or the year after, he can come home with a degree in his back pocket. So th- there's there's ways that you need to be able to sell the dream. 
today's kids that there's a, a very short way and a long way well, the traditional way uh, is uh, jump at 16 go yeah and the, yeah and the one thing i do i do agree with the point just going off a slight but is you know that yeah it's true that we are at the stage where the bar is so low that we're almost announcing the 52 weeks thing as like one of the things that absolutely wrecks my head is the license announcements you yeah, know the announce- <laughs> we've got we've we've got our license you know <laughs> now the thing that we did last year we're able to legally do it again yeah. and, mm. and we are so embattled and so used to it and people say oh dude they want to thank the volunteers and they want to thank people who there's, there's other ways to do that take a page in the program you know but I'm thinking I always think of things through the perspective of um, people tuning in from outside and so what they're celebrating mm. getting the license to compete I, I, in the level they're in last year that has to cease to become a news story yeah. uh, we have to get beyond that completely completely agree with you Dan and I know Johnny you were kind of questioning when we were talking about a full team and you were kind of saying well you know is it sustainable for clubs I think we need to get to a stage where it's the norm whether yeah. that's Players on 500 euro a week for 52 weeks, players on 750 euro a week for 52 weeks. We've got to get to a stage where it's accepted as the norm, that it's not a shock. And the, I mean, everybody from supporters to sponsors to, you know, the league itself. Can the FAI help and do more? Can the clubs do more themselves? It's just not accepted at this moment in time. So nobody is, is everyone's just sitting back and just letting it continue. Bar the clubs who want to, to see that European prize money now, the likes of Cork, Dundalk, mm. Rovers. They, they don't want to drop out that they drop out that once like yeah. we have done all of a sudden it's a slippery slope you mightn't get a second year third year and all of a sudden your budget is completely drastically changed because of the amount of prize money that's yeah. on offer like there, there is a, you know there's a quirky aspect inside to the league that we all that we all love you know and we have this whole greatest league in the world thing which ironically enough the FDR are now using and branded mm. uh, branded material even though it's often used to rip the piss you know what I mean mm. about things that are in, inadequate um, and we love that side of the, the stories and there'll be stuff this week I'm sure but in some ways we have to move beyond that as well too mm. and it's it's trying to you know maintain that character while moving into an era where suddenly we're not just celebrating all these milestones that we should sort of be taking mm. we should be taking for granted if and, and you would know playing european football and so on you can go to you can go to other countries okay there's different cost of living and so on but there there is full-time operations that are uh, manageable off uh, you know relatively low wages and i'm not surprised that one of the things that's happened this winter is that um as our wages go up slightly um slightly there are players more players coming in from outside the league as well um and, and i think you know you can you can run a reasonable first team budget here without going nuts and you know you got someone like Jordy in last year there are players that will come in to a professional setup that aren't going to be paid fortunes you know i think i think we we're at an interesting time now i think the the 12 to 10 is probably condensing some quality as well i think uh, as much as bray and limerick have problems i think the point was made at the launch that there is a good players at every club and um we have a chance to do something over the next couple of years but our base standard needs to stay at a point I, and absolutely we can't yeah. be waiting for the top clubs to come back to the pack the mm. pack have to go to the top clubs just that because john coffee was talking about um you know all these kind of um suitors now coming from other countries talking about players going to league of ireland what did the likes of Jordy make of it like what what were his, what were his reactions like to the standard the standard is fine mm. like there's, there's no issues there and i suppose he's come into a team with, with the likes of Owen Garvin and Killian at the same time and we played a different type of brand of football something he's probably used to over in, in, in Holland as well but he did play in Scotland but he just could not get his head around the fact that we're a 42 week it, it's just it's it's beyond beggar's belief like and as I said to you when you say that it's just 
like why would you want to do that like you know and mm. you, you see the likes of like I've finished early I know Derek Foran has now retired early and there's, there's a couple of boys starting to you're, you're going to start how many over 30 I, mean, I, I, I don't have the answer but I'd say if you were to go around the league I, I definitely have I've had this discussion with people at some yeah. point about the, the amount of guys over 30 that there actually are it, it's, you know? it's going it's gonna to keep dropping and I'm, I'm lucky now that I can be in a full time environment working with St. Pat's but I got on the property ladder early. Does like I was twenty when I first bought my house. I'd 20? say twenty. Twenty. Wow. Yeah. Bloody hell! <laughs> you stop gambling, Johnny. You'll be all right. <laughs> John, Johnny's tu- Johnny has tuned out here because he's watching a race on. Uh, uh, but you know, it was, the, it was beaten. Uh, though. Old, old habits die hard. No, here. but there's beaten. guys like as you said, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. That Stephen referenced in the thing now that. Well, just if the, if you're living in Dublin, like how the, how the hell can you pour, afford playing rent like on the wages you're on now? Unless the club are obviously giving you some sort of house, and we'll talk about the Galway problems. It's been difficult mm. in Galway, but it's not easy, you know. No, it's not. And I, I've seen the other side of this now, where I'm going to the airport, picking up these players, and going to apartments and helping out with the club and stuff like that because I'm full time. And it's not easy, you know. It is tough for the clubs, but as going back to the point, we need to get that has to be the base. We need to get to a level for this league to be. We need if we can have a, a good model, we will bring investment in. Like there's investment that wants to come in because of the prize money, but if we can bring all of our clubs up to a level, not a paltry five grand per club, go and do what you want, we'll market this. That's rubbish. Like, you know, let's sit down together as clubs and people and fans and players and managers and bang our heads together. Like I've been advocating Thursday night football for years. Thursday night football. I think it's a great idea. Have mm. a preview show maybe on a Wednesday night like the podcasts are all kicking off now and yeah don't it, mention that yeah. Every, podcast the podcast <laughs> there's, yeah. there's going to be 200 podcasts yeah. but no yeah. it's, it's really good it's positive that one show and don't start that 15 minutes to kick off with an ad in between like, any issue with the clash with Europa League no ah there'll be a handful no. of clashes across the season it, 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't care like Sky have bought no more rights now for Friday Night Football and stuff like that I just think we need to accept what everyone else does but let's sit down and try it and you know what if Thursday Night Football and the viewing figures are poor and it doesn't work scrap it I think as well with TV that you need to be I think you need to be creative with it you need to be selective with it I think there is no punishment at the moment really um, for clubs whose grounds are you know substandard but if there can be any punishment then let it be that they don't get any broad, any games broadcast live. Now they could argue, well, maybe that's we don't stopped, want that. You know, but I, I, I think you know we, the, the the better games should be and the better venues should be. There should be sort of a positive discrimination there and say, well, you know, your 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 grounds not up to it. You know, so if you're if you're trying to sell advertising off the back of live coverage, well, actually, now your grounds your grounds not your grounds not at it. I think I think you know there, there is a gripe about uh, attendances for for live games. I understand that, but I still think there's enough games in a season that wouldn't be affected by it. And there comes a point as well where you just you have to think that people want to be there rather than yeah. you know, the, the, the hardcore want to be there. Okay, Bowes Rovers will always sell out. I think big court games, you know, big court games on on you know Monday nights weren't really crowd affected because people wanted to be at them. I think Dundalk beat Bowes to win the league on a Sunday at a weird time. It was on TV. When the game is big enough and the occasion is big enough, I think people are still ultimately going to want to go. Sometimes just with the, the games, you know, it just feels like it's ticking a box and it's a particular game and it doesn't really... The Thursday really night thing though has... It is it's an, an idea. It's an interesting concept because especially if you could play somewhat local derbies that away fans could actually go. It's not easy to go to... For a Galway fan to go to Dublin on a Thursday night. You need like Galway, Sligo... Mm-hmm. 
like obviously Harps, Ligo, Limerick, Cork, Dublin derbies, Drogheda, Dundalks, just to make it, you know, that would be my suggestion. But it was an interesting one from Caulfield, who in fairness can never be uh, accused of not promoting uh, the game. Well, he's at, um, he's, at, he's at a position of strength now as well. I think, mm, you know, that mm. he's, been, he's been in the league for five years. Well, he's been in it for way longer than that, but he's been managing for that period of time. Um, the clubs, and I was just writing a piece about this, the clubs at the top now, are, you know, have been doing their bit for the last three or four years. I think they've built a bit of credibility. They've earned the right to have their their voice heard. And I mean, he he went through a, an an RTE bulletin, and it's fine. You know, going through you know the other sports and stuff that got coverage. That's fair enough, and they were all worthy in their own way. But I think if you're managing a club that gets you know over four thousand people a week, it should be okay. Um, and you've been there for a while. I think you know you are entitled to fight for it. But I think we definitely need to be more creative. Um, about how we handle things. Of course, you know we're here with our friends from Air Sport. Of course, Johnny. So they will. We are. They, are, and, and they, they give all the coverage that, that people want. They do. And and the creativity that uh, Bose showed uh, with that mural um, of uh, the nineteen eighties Bob Marley gig right beside the one of Tin Lizzy um, was absolutely amazing. In fairness to Bose, um, we, we're going to talk now very shortly about the Rovers Derby game on Friday night. The ingenuity they show is unbelievable. One one last thing I wanted to ask you, Jar the. The, the most positive thing I think for me in the last few years is the underage ladder that's just it, the, pla- the, the pathway is there from 13s up and I think for a kid he doesn't have to go to England and he can as you say get education and all that Shane Keegan later on will talk about problems in Galway that are not unrelated to an animosity of sorts between the local club and now the League of Ireland underage system how has it been for Pat so far and how do you fund it actually because it's expensive it is um it's very expensive, being honest with you, and especially if if you're in a position where you're paying underage staff as well, and it might be just expenses. Um, but yeah, you you have to do things right. You, you know, you have to provide gear, you have to provide food, buses, everything, training facilities, and stuff like that. It's not easy, and it's not easy on the basis that League of Ireland clubs aren't set up to run academies just yet. I think it's definitely it's my big aim at this moment in time. The stuff obviously that I can't say now, but there is stuff that we're working in the background now to to produce. Hopefully, in the next eighteen to twenty four months, that we can actually have something there for for ourselves and our underage teams. It's just like on a from next year onwards, we're going to have Saturday and Sundays with thirteens, fifteens, seventeens, nineteens, which means that that's from next next, next twenty nineteen yeah, onwards. January will preseason start. So like, where's all the games going to be played? Who's going to be refereeing the games? We hadn't had enough. We like the, we didn't have enough referees for under 15s at this this season. Like that qualified enough to ref underage games. So I think we're just we're pushing ahead with stuff. We're out thinking of fully true. I think my personal opinion is I would have loved everyone to take a step back and let a full season of the 15s run mm. beforehand. Then summarise it. Bring in us guys as as who's at the face of it. You know you've got Ian Morris and Bowles, Shane Robinson in in Shamrock Rovers, and there's guys all around the country now. Kevin McHugh uh, is working fantastically up in Finn Harps. Bring us in, have a chat with us, see what's good, see what's bad, what can we improve on, what do we need, and then come up with a consensus. Is it is it needed now for Tortians? Is it a good idea? Do we kick it to touch maybe for another year or two? Where where's the focus on? I just think we're missing a big thing at 19's level, which is obviously a different discussion, but 13's is coming in, it looks like it's going to get pushed through, and we're just going to have to make the best of it. A bit of realism, Dan? Yeah, no, I, I think there, there's been growing pains with the underage leagues, and you, you do hear the anecdotal tales like that in terms of just, you know, you do, you know fixture scheduling and stuff like that, and I'd say there hasn't been a full season yet, so we haven't, we haven't really had that sort of litmus test. 
Um, I, I, I think the, I think the FA are obviously naturally getting a lot of probably good coverage off the back of this because it is a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Great that, idea. That, it, that, that, that has problems and we're seeing them manifest themselves around the country. I think there's a problem even uh, with, with school ball clubs, the transfer window this summer and you know they're going to have League of Ireland clubs taking players from them but they may not be able to replace them in the summer. And So there's stuff going on that's unpopular um, but I guess they're very intent on having that ability to go out and say well we've got to as you said the 13s the 15s 17s 19s but it needs to be a good one rather than just having one and um, I feel there's I feel there's the desire still to get there I think even you know Kevin's and Bowes got fixed up over the, the winter which is a positive thing and um, the Galway one is obviously a, you know a problem um, but yeah I think you we are at a time and we're not we're not going to go into this today but we are at an interesting time as well in that you know the, the league has making noises now but maybe the clubs having a greater say in the running of the league from from 12 months down the line or 18 months whenever whenever it might be uh, it does seem that the FAI in some way uh, they want to loosen their control uh, we'll see in practice how that mm. works um and the the clubs see the thing is the clubs never really had the, a credibility for coming into the table because they'd been so beset with problems over the last couple of years. But now, uh, certainly, a good number of the clubs have had a stable couple of years, and it gives them a bit more authority, I think, when it comes to discussions because they haven't needed to be bailed out sort of on an ongoing basis. So we are at a time where there could be a lot of changes in the next couple of years, and things can't just be rushed through cosmetically. It has to be done practically, mm. and I think. But I think there's enough voices out there like Jar and other people who you would hope that this FBI approach that we are listening to them will actually be applied in, in yeah. practice. I I th- I think in general I think the the philosophy of it is great and I I mean even just the other week Longford Town put up four photos of their 15s, 17s, 19s and senior team in front of the stand in in uh, Longford I just thought it was it was a lovely little kind of microcosm of where the future yeah and, is. and one good thing I would say is it is I saw Sean O'Connor there yesterday at the at the launch mm. and I think it probably the, a good thing is that a lot of people who might be lost to the league and any association with the League of Ireland Kevin McHugh you mentioned and people like that. I think that is a real positive that they're being gives, kept it in gives, it because it gives so, coaches well, a, yeah, a pathway as well. Sometimes people get to the end of their playing career and then they're just, they're yeah. just gone from the league. We should just clarify it's jobs, um, you know? Sean O'Connor rather than Sean Connor. Um, <laughs> Sean know. O'Connor, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking <laughs> he's, of, he's probably still <laughs> rang around for a few jobs anyway. One of the clubs uh, he managed. The phone, um, a phone actually rang here in this room a couple of minutes ago. We've cut it out of the edit, but like every time I hear a phone ring, you wonder is it just Sean Connor? Um, uh, right. So Bose Rovers kicks us off. Uh, it's obviously live on RTE, and uh, none of us is actually at the game, which I'm surprised at. Dan, you're a, both of us uh, are in Inchicore. Obviously, Jer's in Inchicore, so we'll be able to go home and watch this on the Sky Plus. I suppose. What are you expecting, and what are you expecting of this team? these teams for the season ahead actually are Rovers title challengers let's get into Rovers yeah it's they have a tough start you know they they start away to Bowes and a home to Dundalk Bowes are one of the weakest teams in the league potentially is it that tough oh Oh, god Budget wise, they're probably they're, they're they pretend, should be one of the weakest teams. They're, they're potentially well in a ten-team league. You know, the 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 you're talking about a sort of a thin line between between mm. certain. I, I I mean, we maybe discuss it, but between sort of potentially, you know, fourth and eighth or whatever those clubs that are expected to be in that. I'm not, I'm not sure where the where the where the strength lies. I just think Rovers need to start the season properly. Um, they left themselves with far too much ground to make up last year. Um, and you know, Bowes away. And, and Dundalk at home I think they need
need to win one of those two games just to get things going because um, they've strengthened the squad over the winter. I think Stephen Bradley spoke confidently about it. Um, they still lost some players, though. They lost Madden, um, or they let him go. You know, they lost Duna. Um, they've they've brought in Daniel Carr, who's an English striker. I don't know too much about him. I think that was a problem area. They've brought in Joey O'Brien, which is very interesting, but an element of a punt because he hasn't played much football. Okay, they've brought in Boyle, the Scottish fella. Um, Bulger's uh, a big one, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, like Bulger has obviously come in as well, but they haven't necessarily brought in like a huge amount of like tried and trusted sort I'm, of I'm going, I'm going to put it to you very simply. Can Rovers win the league this season? I don't think they will, no. Can they win the league? Can they win it? Um, it's not impossible. I've it's not impossible I still think Cork and the Dark are going to be the top two honestly it's interesting because I think Stephen he hasn't changed too much I know Dan has mentioned a few signings there but from a start in 11 I don't think he's going to change too much I think he's going to back himself in coaching and to coach to make them players better he would have had a big turnover last year and would have brought in a lot of key players. I think he might have only let like Ryan Connolly go and maybe one or two others. Yeah, but he's yeah. kept Simon bu- Madden. He's kept the bulk of his start eleven. Obviously, Simon has come to us, mm. but I think Stephen is going to back himself and his backroom staff to try and make the players better and keep working on what he's done, which is unique to the League of Ireland mm. because he obviously he didn't win the league last year. He didn't come close to win the last year, but he's obviously seen enough in what he had to say, right? I can make them better and bring us closer, which I think is great because. You know, it, it gives it gives him a real good go of saying, "Well, I'm going to back myself and my coaching ability here and make that." Yeah, better. yeah, and I think sometimes it is true that when you preview seasons, you do focus too much on new signings and you forget the guys that are the second season players. Absolutely, and, and the second like, season manager as well. In effect, that you know, he he needs to. You know, th- this is a young coaching team that needs a bit of time as well. Like, yeah, like Graham Burke. You know, mm. sort of a second season for him. Trevor Clark. How does he push on? Aaron Bulger excited a lot of people. Th- th- you're you're so naming players there. You've been a big fan of Mila for a long time. You're yeah. Him and really good players there with Bulger, young Bulger as well in midfield. Potentially, they're not far off at the very least. I, I, I'm not saying they're going to be miles off. Uh, I guess it's just personal belief that I still feel the top two are probably that bit ahead. And look, Rovers have questions to answer. They may well answer them. You know, and, and the, I think they've spoken about um, and they spoke about it at the launch about discipline. You know, and how that that, that hurt them at times last year. Um, and they need to start the season well. It's that relentless schedule we're talking about. If they have these. Uh, they just uh, taking their time and they have a few problems at the start of the season they could just get left behind a small bit so I'm fascinated to see how they start you what know? about Bowes? Bowes it's, it's hard for them to match what they did last year um, but they have a quite a big squad of players I mean it's, you know they okay, they lost a couple of players again like Fudzer and, and Warren O'Hara and, um, but you know they brought Keith Buckley back to the club um, and as you mentioned, they have the likes of Dinny and guys you shouldn't take for granted that are that are there Keith already, Ward, and, yeah. and some guys who you know younger players will improve. There's a guy Dara Lee has come back from Coventry, and a few players would be interested to see. Um, I, I, this is a hell of an opener. I mean, it's and I, you're I not there. I'm not there. Well, Aiden Aiden Pitzmar, yeah. will be there. You know, so it's uh, Aiden, 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 the Dublin man. There's, yeah. there's, there's a eight page pull out in the Herald this Friday with all Dublin team stuff. So nice. Um, I don't know. I, in terms of, I I have a feeling that Rovers actually might win this game, but it's not really a, a confidently a hugely confident prediction. Um, I think Bowes are going to miss Akinade, um, and it, it might just be hard for them. To, to match what they did last it, year but it's a, it's they're a, very well coached side as well so it says here we have to we have to make predictions and they're going to keep a running score throughout the year and we'll get a steak dinner for the winner from who? Um, 
That's a good question, yeah. Like, I mean, if, I was, to win, if I was to win a steak dinner off you, but I thought that you had to cook it for me, I'm not sure if that's actually a prize. I'm not a bad steak cook. No, no, no. I'm actually not. No, okay. Where would you go if you had a steak dinner in Dublin? Shanahan's? That's a bit cliched. No, yeah. I'm just, I'm genuinely asking, where's the best steak in Dublin? Oh, I don't know. The, you know. the White Fire Grill is quite good on... Um, Ger? Or sort of um, George Street. Mm, yeah. Probably Shanahan's, I'd say. Shanahan's? I've never been to Shanahan's. There's Butcher's a bit of large about going to Shanahan's. Butcher's Grill like in Ranla. It's like you've made it. Butcher's yeah. Grill in Ranla. Unbelievable. You wouldn't get many League of Ireland fans there, but... Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> I'm going to predict Rovers as well. Actually, I'm, gonna, I'm, with, you, I'm going with you, Dan. Ger, bring you in on the predictions front. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game, to be honest. I think most of them are looking at them. I don't think yeah. anyone's going to run away with anything. Um, you know, people are going to say they'll fear for Bray going to Dundalk, but it just really depends how Dundalk shape up with the injuries and you know and illness this week. I don't know, I think it'll be tight. I'll, I'll, I'll sit in the fence and go with a draw for that one. Does anyone know what the pitch is like in Daily Mounts? No. Because, um, yeah, we're just hoping the first game, you know, there's a lot of goodwill that... Uh, Hopefully the pitch. Yeah, I don't think it's been overused. Yeah. In I mean, in, in Terryland didn't look didn't look great there from what I saw. Well, but that but that I mean, that's been used for yeah. rage matches and stuff like that. So. Um, we should mention as well. Um, just the football loves us campaign the Rovers had, which I thought was great, and the Bowes mural, and uh, it's just sad, I suppose, that um, neither Phil Linnett nor. Uh, Bob Marley uh, is around to <laughs> savor the craft beer in the Daily Mount Bar that uh, will yeah. be a feature again it's, it's for the one, the one box that remained untouched from their life. Absolutely. Um, now they, you know, they they did they had a lot of fun a lot of other stuff. They had a lot of fun <laughs> along the way, which brings us to Inchicore and Pats and Cork. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I've been drafted in by RT.ie to do the report. First time. You're working for everybody now, Johnny, to I'm, be honest. I'm freelance. You're like the, the Dave Mulcahy of journalism. You're likely mm. to pop up anywhere for any fair, period of time. I, I resent that. But at the same time, right, I, I haven't really done um, match reports in a long time. And I have to say, when I was over doing a bit for um, a bit in the summer for the European Games at Dundalk, it's a very, very tough gig to actually do a match report live on the whistle, Dan. I have a lot of respect for your... Um, for your talents and, and, and everyone who can it's do it because time. yeah because at a race meeting you can kind of go through the motions and you have a late deadline but I anyway I, if, I, if I really make a balls of it on uh, Friday night I've my excuse is out there well, What's this? are you going to be following any races during the game probably yeah. Dundalk will be on um, <laughs> That's and I hope it's going better than today but you're sinking a bit further into your chair as into a, the, the abyss. show goes on I, I, I think this again is just a really really intriguing game uh, I think Pats are one of the teams to watch this season that they could definitely improve a lot and I was very impressed with Cork's second half I think Cork are going to win this game but Ger O'Brien you, you're the place to start have Pats like last season was, was, was not good for much of it but you, you finished really strongly unlike Cork who didn't finish well really where are Pats? It's hard to know I think um, I'd like to think that we've You're we've not a member of the coaching staff no? Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's still hard to know it's, <laughs> it's like the Bowles Rovers game you, you won't know until until you get out there Like we, we would have went into the first game last season at Bray at home we had beaten them 4-0 away two or three weeks previous in the Lensinger Cup and I just thought we you know we just didn't start well we've spoken about in pre-season the start um, that we kind of need there's no better game I'm, I'm kind of glad it's Cork, I would have loved a Cork, a Dundalk, a Rover, something like that. Bowls at home as well. Yeah, of course mm. you want to start at home. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a tough game. Having been up there last week, watching them um, first half, I thought you know they they struggled a little bit with the elements as well. Second half, I thought they were a different animal and they were very strong. Um, we we've we've watched the game and we showed the back and stuff like that. So 
you know, it's um, I'd, I'd like to think we're going to start well. Who's been playing well for you in pre-season? Because you've plenty of additions. Um, obviously, Dune has an interest from one. Uh, Simon Madden looks a really solid signing. And in a way, Garvin is a bit like a new signing um, because he didn't really play much last season. So who's <laughs> a, you know, no. he, in fairness to him, and he was so pivotal then when, when, he, when, he, when it mattered. Who's going to impress for Pats from the new boys? Hopefully all of them, and we've mm. brought in, unlike Rovers, we probably brought in a lot to, to start, um, because just we just needed to change it around. We needed some fresh faces in, and obviously the likes of Simon coming in, and James, Kevin Toner assigned as well. Jake Keegan? Yeah, Jake Keegan's in, hopefully he'll have all his paperwork done for the game. Um, he done really well when he was here last time at Galway, so... It just it just adds competition. We've brought more pace into the team as well. You think Clark doing it? Um, How did you pinch Jake Keane? Because I know Galway were sniffing around. The next thing he's moving to Dublin, like it just. Johnny, you yeah. can't bring your Galway agendas here today. I'm just wondering, <laughs> how Honestly, he, just he, he was a left field. He was a left field, uh, a bit like Danny Furlong. He was probably a player that people had forgotten about. He but to be honest, did, 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 did Galway not get Jake Keegan the last time because he was a Pat's hand me down at that moment? So it was just basically ah. things evening themselves up. That's that's fair enough. I think he's going to have a good season for you. Park your Galway agendas. It's just unbelievable. Toner. Toner's an interesting one now. He is, and for what he has done already, you know, anybody who can start three or four or five games in the Premier League uh, must have something. He's come in and he's shown he's quite loud around the place. He steps onto the pitch. He's, you know, he's a leader. He talks. He communicates well with, with, with the team. Um and I think for for Kevin, he just wants to be back joining football again. He's home. He's in an environment which he's happy in, and he's been absolutely fantastic in preseason on and off the pitch. And I just really hope that he he hits the ground running and has a really good season. We're going to take it. You're predicting a home win, Dan. How's it going to go? <laughs> yeah. he, he's he's nodded there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I I do fancy Cork a bit having having watched them on Sunday and thinking that they're a very settled side and Pats you know have maybe as Jared alluded to have a few players coming into their starting team. Um, but it's going to be competitive. I do agree with the point that uh, the, all the opening games actually could be could be tight enough. I just I like to look at that Cork team in the second half on Sunday and you know, I could definitely make an argument for them to to go and win the game. I'm with you on that. Last question for you. How has Chrissy Fagan been preseason? Yeah, he's been good. I know from Chrissy's own standards, it was a poor season last year, but you know we had a little few difficulties in preseason. He came back in, and just as he, he scored his first goal against Bowles and Daily Mount when we won four 0 and then you know he just went chasing the ball after and the arrow mark, and he, he pulled a hamstring, which was a little worse than we first thought. So it took him a little while to get back and. For a player like Christie, he's sharp. He likes to, be, you know, his movements good, and it just took him a little bit of time to get going. But um, you know, he, he's been he's been good in preseason. Yeah, he's he's looked he's looked good, and you know, for for us to have a, a big season like most of the clubs, Cork and Dundalk and Rovers and all the clubs, they want their their front men scoring goals, and mm. we need Christie to, to score goals for us. I, I I last thing on this game, I think if 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 he does. Get anywhere near his best, and I think if if Keegan can get fist, Pats can beat good teams this season. A really talented side there. I can't wait for that game. Um, a game that probably isn't quite as compelling as Dundalk and Bray. Dundalk are really really strong favourites here, Dan. Um, I'm actually going to start with you, Jar, because you've played Bray in preseason and um, you beat them well. What can we expect here? Yeah, I just seen this morning they signed some keepers as well. Now I think that will help for them. Um, it's it's a tough one. Listen, the job that Harry Kenny done last year under the circumstances was absolutely fabulous. Um, Dan has alluded to already that they've kept some um, some of the some of the squad and ones that we probably thought would have moved on didn't, and they've stayed. 
it's 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 going to be a difficult listen. It's a very very it's the toughest place they could go to really to start, isn't it? In Dundalk and after last week, I don't see Dundalk slipping up this week against Bray, and it just really depends. We go to Bray, funny enough, the week after in our second game, so it really depends how Bray kind of um, in that belly that we spoke about already of having such an amount of games. You could either find yourself right in the mix straight away, or you could find yourself in the quagmire, like in yeah. the quagmire, and yeah. that goes for probably seven or eight, probably six teams really that could be in that position. And, and Dan, just a mad thing about all the players Dundalk were missing, or were half ill, or were this or that on Sunday. Did some seriously talented players in the pitch at all times, and you're just like, yeah, they're they're going to hockey some teams this season when they click. Murray got two goals. I think Jamie McGrath. I thought he's. I think he's going to have a huge season. I think he's such a talented lad he looks stronger now strengthen up i think yeah I mean. um, um what what are you are you in the kind of dundalk minus eight camp here no, what do no, you think not at all i think it's probably i think dundalk are maybe a bit fortunate this is their first fixture mm. in some ways because um they just seem to be carrying a few injuries and and notwithstanding the flu thing just a few players but you know Knox Patrick Hoban has barely played. Hoban's barely no Stephen O'Hoban, I think it is. If we're going to podcast, we think you have to get the name the name right. Just go ahead, keep going. Um, Stevie O'Donnell is missing. Um, Could be back for the next game, I think. Potentially, but he needs to get a game in somewhere. So um, I I do fancy them to win, but they 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 just need to really maybe get it. I'm not sure if they have a firm idea. They're still signing players this week, which is different from other seasons. They've signed Sam Byrne on loan, or they're going to. I think that's coming soon. Mm-hmm. And they signed Dan Cleary, so they need to uh, they need to maybe get some kind of order in their side. But they still should be able to win to win this particular game. Um, I don't think he played too badly first half time. No, you know I, what I mean like oh, Murray, yeah. Murray looked bright. Duffy was causing problems to Horgan. I think he'll have a big season. Though, yeah, potentially, the, yeah, the only one that thought Dylan Conley was a little bit quiet. You this know what is mean? a big game for him because he's obviously playing Bray, and it hasn't happened for him at Dundalk. Be not, being honest, not really. It's listen, it's a tough one going into that environment as well. But like I, th- I thought they were decent first half. Yeah. You know what I mean, I thought they they made Cork look poor. Yeah. Um, but then the second half was complete opposite. I thought Cork were fantastic, and they made Dundalk look poor. Like so. It really depends. I think I think they're going to have enough, though. On yeah. like, if they I, suddenly have a team with Shields and Benson and Adarjan or whoever, you know, they're looking strong. It's just, yeah, I wouldn't be going mad in the second half the other day, but we have other games to move on to. Yeah, we, are, I, we are getting I, a bumper a bumper first edition we here are, just to I, welcome us back. We, we, we won't be too much longer, we promise you. Adarjan, great uh, touches uh, the other day. And just on Dylan Connie, I really hope it works out for him because he's, he works so hard in, in his game. He's just, you can sense he's a bit frustrated, but, uh, you know... He still has time, I think. Watford, Derry. I, I'm going to be doing race and post predictions on Friday. This is one game. Derry are like... <laughs> Dave McCatty here, yeah. Uh, he, played for Watford. Didn't play for Derry, I think. No, um, no. But this it's gonna, game... It's going over your head, Johnny. No, I no, I got the reference. Like you know, and just it, to just list it, it, I'm more worried is Dave McCatty okay with the reference than am I okay with it, you know. But anyway, Watford, Derry... How do you call this? I mean, Derry are, again, potential dark horses, Dan. Watford... They, they're, they're Terry, you're going to break your heart again this season, Johnny. I, I'm, I don't think I'll back them this year. I just, I've just some worries about Derry and just their general. You've been very positive towards Cork, actually. Is that like how you feel, or is it just trying it's to how I feel. correct some of the balance from last year? Since, since me and Shepard became such great mates, I didn't want to bring it up. Can we just get to the Watford Derry game here, right? Yeah. Now, Alan Reynolds, he's a young manager as well. David, they have a strange enough structure in terms of the management there that he doesn't necessarily like sign the players, and you know more about that than I do, but. How is this? How how are these teams going to get on this season? Uh, I, I, again, I Waterford have signed some very interesting. I mean, they've signed Bastian Harry, players we know. Then there's a there's a guy who's ex Ajax fella, and they've 
I mean, I did speak to people from Waterford around Christmas time, and certainly there was a sense that they'd found the domestic market slow enough. They'd got who they'd wanted here, maybe, or maybe not all of them, but they were going to look outside the league. That was the way that they were thinking, and that's the way that they've gone. But, I mean, it's, it's hard to predict just how they're going to just adjust to the league. I don't know how you can say it with any confidence. I mean, Akinati could be a fantastic player for them. Um, you know, and if someone like even like Paul Keegan say he has loads of experience, even you know in central defence, whatever they have, Kenny Brown and Webster and players have been around the league, so they're not all like newcomers to to the scene. But um, Kenny Shields has, has shopped outside as well as well, and as he seems to want. he seems to sort of bring in players with who've had sort of you know the, the, the guys are trying to almost rehabilitate them here you checkered know. lives checkered lives well, I mean I don't know about checkered lives <laughs> checkered, checkered football career Johnny uh, we're, no, we're in no position here to judge on checkered lives is, is, there, but, is um, there an issue with discipline in the Derry team are they are they committed enough to challenge them for a league and from your perspective well, no, why are you saying that why I, I just get the feeling that's that a loaded question because you have an opinion I, behind it I think last season because it was such a tragic season for them with McBride I just got the sense that you know Obviously, it was very difficult to even fulfil football fixtures. But I just got the sense at the end of the season that I, I got the feeling that everything wasn't fully right in the camp. You know, some players left and moved on. McNamee seemed to scarpish out of the place. Um, huge sign for Cork. I'm just not... I think talent-wise, Derry are very close because the Hales... Rory's a great player. Cole is highly rated. McAniff... You know, they've a lot of... Rory Patterson, like, he had a very poor season last season. And he's a player, I think, that definitely needs to show what he's capable of. Mm. I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily putting you on the spot, but I'm, I'm just... I don't, I don't have the answer to the, to the question. Mm. I, I, I do take the point that sometimes... Um, I think that was... There was players who were dropped at times in the, in the run-in last year, and you felt that things weren't right there for whatever reason, and it has been spoken about. But again, this is where you were in this first week of the season mode where have people talked about it in the off-season? Has everyone sat down and focused for the year ahead? You would think going back to the Brandywell, although they're going to play the first couple of games away from home, which is a tough start to the season. Yeah. And, and you hope the Brandywell will be ready um, in, in time as well because it's still we uh, need a prediction here I think it is. I, I don't know I'd, I'm going to go for a draw yeah what a boring prediction Jerry's uh, going to go for a draw as well I reckon one, one of the guys uh, oh no no he's, no he's shaking his head is Jerry going to give no, us a I, I think Waterford might be just too strong I think right. I think they've signed well I'll yeah. be honest Gonna have you. a big crowd as well you know yeah, first game back they were getting good crowds in first I think they've signed well being honest now there's one or two I'm not too sure of obviously because they've only come into the league Gavin Hullin Howland as well if, yeah, yeah Akinadi yeah. you know Harry they've got Sander Puri still mm. there if Kenny Brown can get in they have a good core there um, from just going on what Johnny said about Derry I found them to be the best football team in the league Smashing last year by, by a mile tactically they were so far ahead of the others really yeah honestly I just think the the he, he, like he takes in those young players and makes them better footballers and you're a fan of Kenny Shields I, I'm a fan of how he plays yeah mm. and I think he's a good character to have in the league as well definitely you know what I mean but I think every year and I played in Derry I think the likes of uh, McNamee I know you're saying he, he ran out but maybe he just looked and said right are they ready to challenge probably not so he's gone to a club with European football Champions League football and probably a team that's going to challenge again this year um, I think the start is horrible though to be honest with you like all those away games we've seen West Ham probably cost Billage's job in the end mm. over the 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 stuff in, in the Olympic Stadium in London they didn't get off to it well and we spoke about that earlier again momentum is just horrible 
it's a really tough first five games. I just I just hope they can pick up some points and then get into the brand new well and make that fortress again. Yeah, it would be great to get back to the brand new just briefly, like with, with Darty and Goal, Cole, um, McDermott so highly rated, McAniff, the the strikers they have. The only dark horse Dan I think I can come up with this season to actually possibly challenge. I said it last year, they won their first four games and then obviously I I I'm going for a draw. <laughs> I don't know well, I, mean, I can't believe you mocked me after that monologue you've come back <laughs> <to a> draw. <laughs> that was wonderful yeah, that was, that was wonderful that was just uh, that was, that was some good work there Saturday some good podcasting oh, you, you won't get that on the other podcast I tell you <laughs> I tell you what I tell you my, okay my lock of the week it's time for the lock of the week oh, Sligo at home to Limerick it's only the only wager I've had anyway is Sligo to beat Limerick um, I think Sligo I'm told that their squad lacks depth but their first 11 is strong what what do you what do you know of the players that they brought in? Morgan's the obvious one. But again, like there's, I mean, we're 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 running on a bit in some ways here, and um, I think you know who's going to be the top scorer in the league is one question here because you know we've seen McMillan go and Maguire go, and there's I mean there's the likes of Fagan and Patterson that have been there before, but there is a couple of wild card options and someone like Adam Morgan who had a huge profile at Liverpool as a kid he's um, a lot of if, Twitter if he, followers if he, if, he, if he clicks yeah I think more than everyone else in the league combined <laughs> I think um, yeah. they're going to love you know pictures of the bus to uh, I don't know Derry or something but um, yeah I, I thought Sligo were solid in the, towards the end of last season that they actually they didn't give much away in the last sort of eight to nine weeks of the season Um you know, they had Murhouse there as well. There's a few players. I, I just think I'd be a bit worried about Limerick. You know, they'd be the one that I'd be slightly, slightly worried about. They, they haven't retained some players. I mean, Bray did retain players. Limerick lost players that sort of drifted away. I think Lee J Lynch is, is gone now. Um, I, I do fancy Sligo to win this game. I don't know, Jer, like, what are you, what are you hearing on the ground? Or what's your vibe on the? The Limerick situation. I think the Limerick one is just unfortunate. Like to be driving, like I spoke to the clerky, Brendan Clark, a yeah. good friend of mine, and he's driving on the way down to train and the first morning of pre season, okay, talk to you later on and I pick up the phone and like Clarkie didn't know going to t- to train and like, you know, so yeah. it's it's just it's just unfortunate timing. But I played with Tommy Barrett and Rovers. Um good to see him get an opportunity. And you know he he's probably signed well. He's brought in Billy Denny, who had a really good last six months with us. Darren has come in. He looks like he's fit again. He'll they'll bring experience to that. I think it's just important that I think what Limerick will be saying is consolidate, pick up as many points as we can early enough, and let's see where we get to in July. And if we need to strengthen, maybe there will be something there. If not, they're probably behind the eight ball a little bit, looking from the outside. But it wouldn't surprise me if Limerick go there and win. What type of character is Tommy then? Uh, he was funny, funny guy. Real. You are smiling there. People can't see this. Yeah, so yeah. Well, there's some tr- story there was, behind it. There was three Limerick guys that came down um, at the same time. Like so, um, I only spotted something about Wayne Colbert last week. I think he might have had a spell in the league as well with Limerick as well. After that, and then I think he's playing Pike Rovers now, maybe. Right. Um, but no, the good thing I think you're, Johnny's right. Sligo have a good. I don't think they've been beaten at home in a long, long time. I yeah. might be wrong they now. They stopped conceding goals and Little did a great yeah. job, I thought. I think he really he did, did a good job. He did do a good job because we, we drew with them about seven games to go and I thought, I said to myself after that game, they needed to beat us. They're in trouble because their next two was Cork away and Finn Harps away and they yeah. went and beat Cork away and beat Finn Harps away. So it goes to show you know, how we, you know, how things can change quite quickly. I just think their home form, Sligo's home form in the last, they've made it fortress down there, although a lot of draws. Um, they don't get beaten much, but I think Limerick, um, they might have a little bit of a bounce going in, like you know. So 
I, I think that'll be tighter than you think. Interesting. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm definitely predicting a home win here. And uh, Raf Kataro, who must be one of the elder statesmen in the league now, Dan, about 36 maybe? Raf? Oh, yeah, he's, he's up there, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, uh, he could even, yeah. He's got the hair of a 26-year-old, though. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. Um, we see him on TV3 every so often. He, and he does love putting his fingers through his hair, as he said on that ad. But he was talking to um, the boy Jay, Jay Farrell, uh, uh, at the LOI launch. And here is what Raf had to say. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, as you start there, how has pre-season been offering yourselves and how are you feeling yourself coming to the new season? Yes, uh, pre-season has been great. You know, obviously we finished off with a, with a, a game there against Cabotelli the weekend, 3-3, so it was really, really good pre-seasons had gone really, really well and you know, looking forward now to, to Saturday, obviously Limerick at home and uh, confirmed then during the week was obviously we have Derry at home, so our first three games are at home, so I'm really, really looking forward to the season kicking off now and getting into it. I suppose it's pretty difficult kind of start the first half of the season last year. As you said, the three games at home this year, it's a real, a real chance for you to maybe get seven or nine points on the board and really keep on from there. Oh, yeah, I think that's the way we're looking at it, obviously. You know, you can only take positives out of that your first three games are at home. You know, it's a great, a great platform there to, to work with. So yeah, we'll be looking to, to start that off this Saturday against Limerick, you know. And just looking ahead towards you know, our start of the season, but come kind of the end of the season, what are the aims for the whole season and what will be a successful season for yourself? Obviously, we, we were battling with relegation last year. You know, I think it was with, with the three teams going down. I think it was, you know, there was a bit of with, with, with all the teams. You know, so I think this year, you know, finishing the top half of the table is is, is achievable. You know, and I think when, when we reach that, I think you know we might reassess things. Obviously, the gaffer reassess things and, and, and take it then maybe from there with. with trying to finish a bit high. And with the league being out of 10 now, it seems to be a lot more competitive, a lot more condensed. It's, it's going to be a tough league this season. Absolutely, you know, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I think there's no easy game, and I don't think there will be any easy game. Obviously, you've seen the weekend, Dundalk and Cork, and Dundalk 2 up, and Cork coming back beating them 4-2. So, like I said, there'll be no easy game this year. And, you know, I think the big positive for us is having the first three games at home. We've had such a, we had a great, you know, fantastic home record so we're looking to bring that into this year and if we can bring that into this year I think we'll have a great chance of getting off to a fantastic start and just yourself personally do you set yourself any to start even with goal targets or appearance targets or that sort of stuff do you, do you set that yourself before the season starts yeah I think you know when you get to my age I don't think you, you kind of set things you know obviously you want to play every game you know Look, is, is that really realistically achievable maybe it is I think you know I, I'd set that for me to try and play every game look play that every game but uh, you know I'm feeling great I've, I've, I did all the pre-season you know I've had no niggles I think that's the big thing obviously at, at my age and, you know the gaffer has been good with me in, in terms of maybe giving me an extra day of recovery uh, here and there so uh, you know I'm, I'm like I said feeling good and really really looking forward to the season they're the five Premier Division games and the first thing obviously doesn't start until next weekend but uh which which will involve Go United against that lone town. The Go United manager Shane Keegan, Dan, and, and other teams as well, Johnny. And yeah, other teams as well. No, well, I, that, was, it, actually, a, that was actually a link to the. Oh, Shane I know it was a link, but we've Shane, had a few comments to suggest that our first division coverage this year cannot just be Galway. Well, that's flavor. that's consistent with most of the teams in the league now playing the first division, as opposed to last year where most of the teams played in the Premier Division. Uh, explain that to me now. There are now. <laughs> Or at least there's a difference. <laughs> 10 and 10, as opposed to 12 10 and 8. and 10. Sorry, yeah. as opposed the to... The same amount. <laughs> most of the teams... <laughs> I kind of half redeem myself there. But on a, on, really a, on, a, on a darker note, or whatever, not a lighter note, Shane Keegan wasn't happy at the launch. No. 
there, there are issues going on in Galway at the moment, which um, I guess you would be aware of, all joking aside. But I didn't expect Galway United to be back page of the Irish Independent already this season. So it's like, do we want this publicity? And it's unfortunate that we're on the back page for bad reasons. Well, now. let's explain it. Okay, I spoke to Shane Keegan at the launch, and really it was just a discussion about how things were going in pre-season, but uh, he had things to say about matters that were ongoing. How are things going in terms of, I suppose, readjusting to the challenge of first division football? I mean, are you happy with how the, the pre-season has played itself out? Um, I suppose I kind of have to split that into two things. Squad building, yeah, very, very happy. Um, when you consider, obviously, that we, we lost so many faces, we've managed to, to replace um, the vast majority of them very, very well, I think. Um, Robbie Williams, Ryan Connolly, I suppose, two probably the bigger signings that we would have made. Ty Ryan in the goal, another big name. Um, so we have, we've, we've brought in some real, real quality, all right, and it's shaping up very well. We probably need one or two more in the final third of the field just to, to give us an extra bit, but we're nearly there with one or two players on that side of things. Problem we have is off the field. Um, I mean, it's fairly well publicised. The politics of, of Galway soccer at the moment are causing us absolute havoc. Absolute havoc. Give, give us a flavour of that, maybe for people who aren't aren't aware of that from the, the Galway. You know, I'm sure Galway United fans are aware of it, but just maybe to the outside. Uh, yeah, well, look. To be honest with you, I've, I've no interest in talking about the past or talking about the blame game. Yeah. The, the, the simple repercussions of the scenario at the moment are that we've literally trained in a different place every day for the last three weeks, and on only one occasion has it been a full-size pitch. So. To put you in my shoes at the moment, uh, in the pre-season plan, we'd scheduled eight tactical sessions. Tactical sessions can't be done unless you're training on a full-size pitch, really. We'd scheduled eight tra- tactical sessions to be done by now. We have two of them done. Mm. Um, so we're absolutely a mile behind where we need to be. And the bigger problem is there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. Um, mm. So there doesn't. So, you know, to be honest, that's, that is a major, major problem um, to try and hit the ground running when we've done little to no shape and tactical work with an entire new squad is... Uh, a, a, a tough ask. So where have you been training then? Where have you been doing the work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the clubs have, have been great. Um, I mean, and uh, you know, you do have to factor in the weather as well. We probably wouldn't have had as much of a problem as we've had if the weather hadn't been so bad. But you're, you get clubs who will offer you the pitch and then there's a deluge rain the night before and they genuinely, the pitch just isn't trainable the next day and it's clamouring around trying to find an AstroTurf facility. And again, some of the clubs who have small-sided Astros have been great. We've been, I mean, the boys are... Boys have patience of a saint at the moment, really, to be honest, which you be putting up with, like, they're literally finding out the night before each training session where they're to train the next day. Um, we've been in Colga, we've been in Barna, we've been in Marie, we've, they've gotten an absolute tour of Galway <laughs> over the last two, three weeks that they have, and as I say, they've shown patience of a saint to, to, to put up with it, but it's just so, so far from an ideal preparation, you know. <laughs> As a, as a manager, what kind of challenge is that? I mean, obviously, you're speaking to Danny Furlong, to players who who are um, you're trying to recruit, bring them to the club. And naturally, you sign a player, you say, well, here's where we train, here's what we do, we're going to do this, this and this. Are you having to explain to every player you're speaking to, listen, this isn't ideal? Because there must be an element of embarrassment maybe about trying to sell some of this. To yeah, I suppose, to be honest with you, when I spoke to all the players that we've got signed up at the moment, last year's um, plan was in place in terms of training arrangements so I wasn't pulling the wool over any of your eyes we, we did our first two weeks of pre-season you know at the same venue under the same time schedule as we, we had done the previous year it was only then that the shit hit the fan I suppose mm. is, is the best way to put it um, so it wasn't that any of those players were, were kind of sold a false story it's just that the situation has changed and as I say it was a case when the situation changed of sitting them all down as a group and saying lads here's the story you know, here be as upfront about it as you possibly can, and tell them that we are trying our very best um, to try and get something sorted in the background. Now, 
you know, I certainly didn't perceive at the time that it would take, we'd be three weeks down the road and we still, mm. unfortunately, wouldn't have, have, have a new plan. Um, but yeah, I suppose, you know, they... They weren't sold up. We did have we did have plans in place yeah. at the time that they all signed, and as I say, they really are showing patience of a saint in terms of, of, of putting up with the predicament we're in at the moment. But um, you know, you're just really, really hoping that 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 it doesn't have any sort of negative effect on things. You know, I, I appreciate you don't want to go down the, the blame game, and I, I, I also appreciate there's political stuff to predate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you come into Galway, but 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 how has it come to this? I mean, from a situation where you're starting a season as the senior football club in Galway. Is there is there any urgency you feel to resolve this? There is urgency, absolutely. There is urgency. Um, I just I, I don't think anybody can quite see what the resolution is. I mean, it would sound from the outside, obviously, and as I say, I can't go into the ins and outs of it, but it would seem from the outside as like, how can the hell can there not be a sim- a, 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 an easy answer? But the predicament that that we find ourselves in at the moment probably isn't an easy answer, and amazingly, there is only one full-size AstroTurf pitch in the whole size, in the county the size of Galway, which is, I think there might be one in Carrow, but by, I think by all accounts they'll admit to it, it's more, I think, nearly more of a hockey surface than it is a, a, a soccer surface. So that rules that one out. Um, so look, we're probably in a situation where if something isn't sorted in the next 24 hours or so, Galway and I are probably looking at training in Athlone or UL, AIT or UL. They're the, they're the two closest full-size Astros to us. People can promise us a pitch, but if I'm going to bed at night, knowing if it rains tonight, I have no venue for training in the morning. That's no use to me. So you, you have to have a full size Astro available, really, you know. So going to Athlone is, is feasible. <laughs> I'm stuck for alternatives. It, 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 it sounds ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, if we were to end up training in in Athlone IT or, or in UL, but it's, it's three weeks in, and I'm, I'm kind of pers- throwing every other idea out there, and I'm out of all other ideas. So um, yeah, you know, it might have to happen. Okay, and just in terms of the overall first division picture this year, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a competitive league. I think it's it's. I don't know. You might have a, you probably you're in there, so you have to be diplomatic yeah. to a point. But it seems it seems pretty open. Yeah, well, I don't think you need to be diplomatic again. You know, I like to look at at, at bet nods just to see what you know what the outside view of things is, and I think you'll do well to find a league in Europe where there's ten teams in the division and eight of them are priced up at ten to one or less to win the mm. league. Like that's remarkably competitive. So it is absolutely yeah. remarkably competitive, um, and one of those teams two teams that aren't under 10 to 1 are Wexford Utes who've, who've hammered Bray last week you know so yeah. you know don't tell me they're not going to be in the picture so look I think it's it's going to be an incredibly incredibly even league it really really is I mean anybody who could even name what the top four will be at the end of the season they'd, they'd get a massive price on it because there's there's so many teams competing for first and then so many teams competing for each of the playoff spots Dan we had some uh, pretty epic launch music there that's just uh, to be clear people do, do not readjust your sets it was the uh, the launch starting in the background and the, the other thing as well I mean People, the, the one thing that's left unanswered there, and it sort of you know subsequently got clarified, um, is well, well, why you know who owns this full size Astro pitch in Galway, um, and and you would be aware that that it's Mervy United who, who have that at the Fahis Field, and that's where Galway have trained. Galway United have trained in in recent seasons, but there have been. It would appear. I mean, there's it's not, it's, there's local tensions. We're talking about the underage leagues, and you know, Galway United have uh, taken some players from Merview, and it would appear that 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 and other factors, the relationship has broken down, and, and Galway United have been told they can't train there anymore, and as a result. There, there is no suitable 11-a-side Astro pitch uh, in the vicinity. It's not just about local politics, it's about the weather as well. But you have the situation where Galway could be training in Athlone or Limerick, which I think for 
you know, as a sort of a professional side um, in Galway to have to do that, it just makes you figure out, well, there's some weird local politics going on here that, that, yeah. that has to be resolved. Well, we, we'll talk about the First Division, obviously, at length uh, next week. Um, but one of the really positive things about Galway United this season is it's a fan-owned co-op run club. And, Ger, this is not a good start. No, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, if it is leaving from, leading from the underage stuff with players going... Oh, there has to be something there. Maybe the FEI need to get involved in that and speak. I think that's key. I, well, I spoke to the FEI. Yeah. In, yeah, in fairness to the FEI, the FEI hasn't been like sitting on on its ass about this for, because it's been an ongoing issue. Um, Dan, you spoke to Frank. Well, I, I asked Frank Gavin about it last week because I was aware there was issues. Uh, and I mean, there there is a slight embarrassment for the FEI because they were, in a positive sense, involved in brokering the 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 recreation of the the Galway Club. Um, but in some ways, this is still the legacy of that time when Merview and Salt Hill were allowed into the league. Then they had to create a new structure involving Merview, Salt Hill, the Galway FA, and Gal- what is now Galway United again. Um, but that was only ever going to be a short-term arrangement. And, and once those clubs were excluded from the underage leagues, it was never going to be smooth. And um, it's it's just a, it's a very difficult one for the FEI hierarchy, but I guess they've tried to... to paper over cracks in the past but the, it was never going to be a longer term solution and that's probably come home to roost now a bit and they're now in a situation where they're using language again about we need to get people sitting around the table and working together um, and you know, Galway also have problems, Galway United also have problems with the Galway FA as well because people might be saying well why don't they just train in Eamon DC Park then um, but that doesn't seem to be an option too and, and the Galway FA own that so um, it's not ideal and it seems like the club's in a slightly embattled um, position. Yeah, uh, that's unfortunate. And Ger, we're going to have to say goodbye to you. Before you go, um, last thoughts for the season ahead. It's going to be an exciting one, I think. And, and, and I think we should cherish the fact that there's no team like some other leagues that's just going to run away with it. Um, or at least I wouldn't think so. No, it's probably the first year. I think Dan said earlier, Cork and Dundalk, he'd still predict to be the top two. I think everyone is kind of saying that. I don't see, I haven't seen anything to see anything different that yet. But I think the gap will be closer. Mm. I do think it'll be closer. I do think um, Rovers and I'm hoping ourselves and there'll be one or two of the other other teams in the pack that would like to think that they could push on and get close. Uh, the fact that you're going to be playing each other so frequent as well. I know there's, I know it's only one extra game, but. There's times during the season where you'll play each other and then you'll you'll hit you'll hit a three or four week gap and then you play each other again. I think we have it with Rovers in May and June or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to. It. I think that the, uh, the this is always a time for optimism for every fan and every player and every you know the journalists and every everyone is just so happy and then. You know, uh, hopefully we can, um, from a Pat's perspective, have a, a really good positive season this year. Yeah, the one thing, the the race for Europe has just become, it's, it's already big, but the European money's gone up again this year. And I mean, it's positive, I think, that money's gone into UA for funding, or to, sorry, to youth funding. But it's probably at the expense of domestic prize money, which is remaining unchanged. That's fine. Um, is it? I, well, I mean, I, I, I still think it could be higher, but everything, we always think everything could be higher. But I think the argument being offered, you know, by Fran Gavin at the time was, well, in European prize, prize money is going to go up I mean European prize money is only good for four clubs and it's the same four clubs this year that were in it last year so I think that inequality is still an issue we've got going forward as much as we're optimistic so someone else needs to break into that top four this year maybe it's maybe it's Pats because 
the game changing potential for when you do like for clubs to have an extra let's say it goes up conservatively an extra 250 grand so that's the difference between third and fourth or fourth and fifth Incredible. If, if you win you know depending on how the cup pans out so that's actually as big a race as winning the league in a sort of a, in a, of a weird way in terms of a club's health um, and, and going then, forward. Then you've that mirrored in a way in Division One with four teams being involved at the end of the season, and you know, well, that, without two hundred and fifty grand in the middle of it, though, still getting to the Premier Division, the Promised Land, and um, you know that that's going to be exciting as well. We'll talk about that next, next week. week. Um, but Jared, thanks a million for coming in. Hopefully, I'll see you um, at some stage or heckle you on Friday night. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, best of luck this season. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Dan, we've had a few uh, polls on the site. The Bayonne was working very hard trying to get the uh, get the view of the public. You know, because we can't we just really want this, that? you know, you can't just be, can't be an, it can't be an echo chamber here. We can't just disappear into our own views. Um, God no, no. I mean, there's enough there's enough podcasts out there with. A lot of podcasts at lot the of moment. Podcasts. Have we reached podcast saturation I don't know. in general? I don't know. What, in life or in, in the League in, of Ireland? In, 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 in both. I don't know. Like, I mean, how many podcasts do we want? Do we want mm. 20, 40? We, we want a tyranny, really. We want one. Essentially, we yeah. would like one. Although, I mean, if there was to be one uh, tyrannical one, probably wouldn't be our one. Like one of the other new ones. Not sure which one. I'm <laughs> just going to leave it out there. Is it? Is it the one that's going out before the highlights? I don't know. Anyway. Should um, mention, by the way, in an unrelated matter, the unrelated. brochure that the FAI have brought out, the greatest league in the world, which my mate uh, Gar um, edited, um, I think is excellent, actually. And hopefully they're, they're talking about bringing some more and you can get that online at pay.fai.ie. Um, wouldn't put you off at all. Um, and it's actually a nice production and fair play to them uh, for doing that. But Dan, these polls... These polls, yeah. So Owen sort of went went for some uh, questions here. The obvious one, I suppose, 2018 champions. He he picked three options in each one and went for you know other, which I think annoyed some Finn Harps fans in the first division. Fair uh, enough. Cork City, forty three percent. Dundalk, thirty eight percent. Shamrock Rovers, sixteen percent. Other comment below. Um, there was a comment about a Pats fan a couple of Pat's comments below that but yeah I think that's a fair enough fair enough representation of things um, you know, who do you think is going to win the league yourself I, I, I'm still on the Dundalk boat I don't I don't think you can change your view after the President's Cup game <laughs> which know, is exactly what I would which, which, which is what you've yeah. done uh, you have to you have to you can't be swayed by that match but I I, I think it's very very in, very in, close in my defence Cork I wa- were very good I wasn't sure and I'm still not entirely sure how that front system is going to work for them without Maguire um, and how because I haven't really seen Cummins much but uh, I just thought second half they just look like they're, they're ratted like. yeah. um, so I'm going to tip Cork um, so no more slagging to me for the rest of the year and no, I'm tipping Cork let's get that over with you know a lot of anti Johnny stuff down in Cork last year well, that's because of what you said league. go ahead anyway I think you were angrily discussed in the team bus at one point yeah you just I mean you really you really upset really them you need to talk about other things really upset and let's who will finish bottom things. of the Premier Division uh, I'm L- going to go with Limerick Limerick got 39% of the votes but Bray came in with 51% that would be my vote too I have to say um, Sligo 7% other comment below just to 3%. clarify you're, you're with uh, I'm Limerick with Bray. as well oh you're with Bray I'm, Bray, I'm with Bray okay. I mean there's always stuff that can go wrong during the season if they hit the rocks again then that could, that could kill them um, who will win the first division 
Um, we'll talk about that at length next week. Uh, yeah, but the, the 54% Galway United, I saw you signing on several different devices, so that might be you. Uh, Longford, 18%. Drada, 11%. Jer's gone, but he actually gave them a good mention off air, Drada. And other comment below, 17%. 17% of them, I think, of angry Finn Harps fans. We've got quite huge, a few of them listening. Very angry Finn Harps fans. Yeah, yeah. Couple Mar- of them marooned up in the northwest. Yeah, there. yeah, really angry. Um, who, who will go furthest in Europe this season? Um, Cork got 33% of the vote they're not going guarant- go but the thing is if Cork lose their first game they get another one so that could be the percentage bet uh, they'll, they're guaranteed to play four games is that going further and that's the, that's the argument the dog 50% probably going to be seeded in the first round and maybe the second one doesn't always mean you could get a team from a Kosovo or someone who's a, you know unseeded because they haven't been round great trip, could be very it? good yeah, I'd love, to go, love to, Kosovo, to go to Kosovo actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shamrock Rovers 14% and Derry City a lowly 3% they probably but look at a draw though really I mean dramatically so last year and question five and this, this is just very cruel how many times will Johnny Ward say we need to talk about the first division more uh, the overs 99.5 I mean that's conservative uh, 75% that you will so I mean is that on your agenda to talk about the first division more this year now that there's more teams in it you've calculated yeah I've actually figured out there aren't more teams no. 10 and 10 I oh, know um, we, 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 I think other people figured that out but earlier than just, you just, but to give I suppose a, a little teaser for next week it, it actually is a very interesting division this year you know you've you, you have some you, you have young man yeah no I think we'll go through we won't, it, it, we won't it shouldn't be, be flippant about it now. all joking yeah. aside I actually am looking forward to it um, now I'm going to try to get as, ma- as many games as I can in the Premier as well but just uh, I, I guess to conclude you know it's we started off here last year with a lot of questions, you know, where were things at with certain clubs, blah, blah, blah. Some of them still in, exist. In our own lives, even, Johnny, never mind in the, <laughs> yeah. the league itself. You got wed since. Oh, they, don't, yeah. don't talk about that. Yeah, it's yeah. last year's you're, you're reaching the new path in life. Is, is the League of Ireland on the, on the road to a great, you know, destination as well? I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. But we always have these moments. And I, 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 I did like John Caulfield's comments yesterday that he, he did say, you know, 40 years we've been saying a lot of the same things. There was a footage went round, I think, of an RT report in the 80s. It was going around on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and it was, what would, we do, what would we do about the League of Ireland? And it's uh, just, you know, the, the roles reverse. Some teams that are rich ones and some teams that are poor ones, but they're all having the same discussion. So can we get to a different level? Um, I, I, I remain to be... It reminds me of um, Damien Richardson's famous programme quotes when he was at Rovers and there were a lot of them. It's always the same sometimes. Yeah, and I think maybe we don't want it to be the same <laughs> this <we>? year. <laughs> no, we don't want it to be the same. We want it to be better. We want it to be the greatest league in the world, though. In, in so actual, does the FAI. In, in actual terms. But anyway, we, we'll be back to discuss this and more across the season. And just, say just, well, just people, to note, it's not going to be that long every week, but we would love to get through. No, we'd love to get through. You can, you, know, you can also go on to iTunes there and subscribe. and, and Give us review. a favourable review. review. Now yeah. that it's a tyranny. That's a tyranny. Yeah. All the other podcasts don't really understand how the iTunes charts work. You go very high if you're new and... It's nothing to do with that. Just stick with us consistently across the year and we'll be we'll be high up that list. We'll be high up that list. Thanks for listening. 